quack, quack, quack. Oh my goodness, y'all. It's the biggest game in the known universe. There has never been a bigger football game than the game that is about to happen on Saturday at Autzen Stadium. That is right. The University of Oregon will take on Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. Because holy shit, this has been hyped to hell. It's been fun to watch. Uh, The last week was kind of a horror movie to watch against Colorado State, but they ended up winning that one in dramatic fashion. Um, This team is really fun to root for. Beforehand, it was kind of like a a little bit of a pity root for. Like It's such a good fan base, but it's kind of hard to watch on the field. But Coach Prime got there, and suddenly... The entire eye of college football, like Sauron up there, is watching Colorado and couldn't be more stoked for the program. Now they come to Autzen Stadium and to to discuss this team, this most hyped team, we've got a couple of experts here, very close friends to the show. First of all, Hithla Day, one of Addicted to Quack. How are you doing, Hithla Day? Well, how are you? I'm good. Like I said, I mean, it's going to be fun. Stadium environment's going to be crazy. It's going to be loud as hell. Uh, We already had a close one against Texas Tech, but this is in Autzen. The last two Autzen games have been obvious blowouts, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And I am also excited to bring on close, close personal friend to the podcast. You know him from Duck D&D. You know him from so many hours of episodes of Quack 12 diving into the Colorado Buffaloes. We've covered some rough Buffalo teams with this guy. We've covered some bowl-worthy Colorado Buffalo teams, but we have never covered one with this much sauce coming into the game. And that is Jack Barsh of the Ralphie Report of the podcast at the buzzer. How you doing? <laughs> uh, good. Uh, not this isn't for not the listeners at all, but I'm glad you're wearing your hat and glasses, man. Glad you're wearing your oh, hat yeah. and glasses. The official uniform. I didn't even put friends. together. Um, I mean, it's contagious, you know. I just love <laughs> Coach Prime so much. <laughs> it's like a zombie movie infecting me, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's definitely been. Um, uh, you cannot dream up a more successful start of the season. For CU mm-hmm. fans, uh, the two most long-standing rivals fell at home, and then uh, the national runner-up, as predicted by some people on this podcast, not me, uh, also lost <laughs> to CU. So um, it's been so fun so far, and if I know anything about fun, it's that it never stops, and I'll never lose again. So, yeah. A- absolutely, <laughs> and it always rains at Austin Stadium. Those are the true facts there. Um, I don't even want to stop you. How about we just I don't know jump? if you're joking, Jack, but I, I did actually predict no, that Colorado I, that's was going to be three. You know? I, didn't, I didn't have the yeah. stones. I, I didn't do it. All right. Because yeah. um, I, like, I sort of thought that – I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Colorado's win because they absolutely did deserve to beat TCU. It was not a fluke in any way. But, like, boy, that team sucks. Like, yeah. like hey, hey, oh, my God. No, no, no. They're not Pac-12 strong. They're the best Big 12 team in the world, actually. You beat All right. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas Tech right behind. Them, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's just dive right into this roster. Oh my, cancel! I've never 
done that before. That Anyways, was the roster alert. That'll be edited out. Roster alert. Roster alert. Let's get into it, y'all. <laughs> so when we talked during the summer, actually, before we get to the roster, I want to sort of talk about the, the offensive scheme. When we talked during the summer, you know, I, I sort of noted weird incongruity that I was having a hard time resolving, which is that... At Jackson State, where uh, obviously Coach Sanders is from, his son, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback, um, a good chunk of the skill talent, that the offense was this, you know, sort of horizontal passing uh, offense. Um, And uh, like a lot of it was sort of like, you know, dump the ball off fairly quickly and then let your skill players make the play, you know, after Mm -hmm. the catch. And and yet they did not bring along the the offensive coordinator from Jackson State. Instead, they hired uh, Sean Lewis um, and also got um, with him um, his his offensive line coach. Uh, um, Small Doyle, correction: right? the offensive coordinator oh, at Jackson State is at CU. He's just the wide receivers coach. At CU. Oh, right, but but he's not you he's know calling the plays and no, stuff, no. or at least as far no, as I'm not. aware. I mean, maybe. Anyway, um, Sean Lewis uh, comes off of the the Dino Babers, you know, Art Bryles, Four Verts kind of, you know, passing tree, his career at Syracuse. And then for the years that he was at, at Kent State, it's like it's it's a pretty different offense. It's it's a very vertically oriented offense. Um, and that's sort of it, it, that's where the play caller is from. It's where the offensive line coach is from. It's where two of the offensive linemen are from. And uh, I was like, how is this marriage going to work? And so far, I've been watching the film uh, of Colorado, and I'm still kind of confused about how this marriage works um, in the passing game. It reminds me more of what uh, they were doing at Jackson State. Like, it's much more horizontally oriented. You know, I ran the numbers uh, with the caveat that it is a little difficult to to divine what the design of the passing game is because uh, 33% of all dropbacks end in a sack, scramble, or throwaway because, um, you know, spoiler alert, that the offensive line has been giving up a lot of pressure. Um, and so it's sort of a little difficult. You got to take all these numbers with a grain of salt, but excluding those for, you know, the, the you know, those havoc plays, you know, from, from the numbers, uh, only about 12% of their plays from the pocket Again, this is excluding scrambles, but plays from the pocket um, are are twenty plus yard throws. Um, but sixty two percent of them are like are five five yard or fewer, or like screen passes. You know, they really want to throw it short, or predominantly are throwing it short. So it sort of feels like the Jackson State side of the marriage sort of won. And uh, I'm sort of like, well, why is Sean Lewis part of this? <laughs> you know, like did did he need to be here at all, Jack? Have you do you have opinions on this question? Like, what have you noticed? Am I missing something about this offense? What do you think about it? So, okay, yeah, this is definitely not a pure Baylor offense, obviously. Um, And I think the main difference, the main reason it's not um, a, a huge reason why it's not, at least, is because CU cannot run the ball. So. Um, yeah, so you can't run the ball and, and Sean Lewis likes to run the ball a lot. He ran the ball with Schley at Kent state last year. He ran the ball with Dustin crumb, um, Kent state superhero at quarterback. Shador Sanders is not going to run mm-hmm. as much as either of those never has, never will. 
um, and Steve's offensive well, line. And on top of that, they also have like a quarterback depth, you know, exactly. situation, which limits, you know, even if he wanted to run the ball, they probably, the staff probably doesn't want Sanders to run the ball because yes. it's like, what do they got behind him? You know, uh, a guy who got strip sacked on his, on his three pass attempts. So yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and the running backs right now have, have no holes to go through and the, and the line's not getting a push. So, Sean Lewis, like you said, is a Baylor guy, also a Wisconsin guy. We're not running a lot of power run because it's just not there. And in instead, I think what you're seeing is a lot more quick outs, short passes, basically trying to generate run game-like plays through the passing game, which you've seen before on teams with a bad offensive line, right? So mm-hmm. that's what I would say is a pretty big difference is the fact that Steve cannot run the ball like I think Sean Lewis wants to. So he's, he's adapting more to how Shador Sanders and Jackson State looked last year. Um, now that might change in the coming weeks with Alden McCaskill coming back from injury, but also it's the same O-line, right? So if Van Wells is back, that helps the center too, but he was there for Nebraska, most of Nebraska and most of TCU, and it did not help much there. So I would expect yeah. this to continue um, until the Hogs start coming in recruiting-wise. And yeah, it's, I think Sean Lewis as a game manager is really good play caller. I think he's he's taking shots at the right time for the most part. That CSU game was iffy to watch sometimes, but you know when when CU needed to, I thought the the two point conversion play at the end of regulation and the overtime score plays oh, yeah. were good. I thought those were good calls. That yeah, that I know the two point play that you're talking about. Like they really had uh, Colorado State completely suckered on yep. that one. It was like embarrassing, like to the point where I, I'm not. This is a joke. I like there were points where Lewis had. Uh, Colorado State's defensive coordinator in the second half of that game so thoroughly flummoxed that I was like, are they taking a dive in this game? Like Lewis had him just I mean, it was comical how well Lewis had. I forget the the dude's name, but he was just he had him owned like it was it, completely cracked like you know what was it like three straight touchdown drives you know and two-point conversion yep. i mean it was just ridiculous and like the success rates on this uh, they i think it was something like 17 successes to three failures like uh you know in terms of per play success rate it was just ridiculous yeah, yeah. He, he totally had to figure out like I, I totally agree with you that sean lewis is a smart guy and i was like my tongue was in my cheek when i was saying like did you really need sean lewis for this like yeah he's a smart play caller you know when, when, when you look at his, you know, when he was the head uh, coach at Kent State and the offensive play caller, his talent level was on the floor of FBS. Yep. And yet his F plus offensive rankings were like in the middle of FBS. They were like 50 ranks higher, which like, OK, that's 50 ranks worth of coaching effects. He's a smart guy. Um, and, and I agree with you probably, you know, has to do with, well, it, it's probably a bunch of factors. I agree that not having the run, you know, to set up the pass probably has a lot to do with it. I think probably just, well, I think there's other factors as well that are probably like constitutional. Like, what do you think about the theory that Shadur Sanders is just not super into throwing the deep ball, that he's just much more comfortable throwing it horizontally? What do you think about that theory, Jack? I don't know. I think Shadur Sanders is very comfortable throwing the deep ball when he's throwing to Travis Hunter. Yeah. And who wouldn't be? So I think that his deep ball touch is pretty good. and, And I think he's gotten less comfortable with it this year as he's gotten hurried more. The TCU game, he had a few beautiful deep balls. One hit horn in the hands and just dropped. One that Weaver hit, which is great. And um, obviously a few to Hunter 
Hunter dropped one in the end zone, and then there was one that third and 15 and went for 40 yards. So I think there's beautiful touch there. He has zip on it when he needs to, but as his yeah. clock gets hurried, I think that's, he gets less excited about doing it. The thing that's weird, and like I'm gonna have clips in my article that that demonstrates this, that, that makes me like really confused. And like I'm not an expert on you know quarterback biomechanics or whatever, is that like he has some absolute stunners of throws where he's throwing to the opposite hash where it's like like in terms of how far down the field it's going it's like this ball is only travel like from the line of scrimmage to where it's caught he's only gaining like like eight yards but it's an opposite hash throw where he's got to beat the cornerback on a comeback or whatever and it's like he is zipping that a million miles an hour like he is rocketing it like the problem is to the extent there's a problem at all i'm not even sure that there is but if there's a problem it ain't like arm strength or accuracy or anything it's like hitting those rainbows it's like they're so it's just that they're so rare like i i have so small of a sample size about you know him setting up and really stepping into that throw with you know proper mechanics it's just that like man it's just so rare to see first of all for the play to be called second of all for the pocket to hold up long enough for it to happen and third of all you know to be perfectly frank about the receiver core for guys who are not named travis hunter and sadly, Travis Hunter is going to miss this game in a couple of weeks, you know, because of that cheap shot that that the Colorado State player put on him mm-hmm. to receivers not named Travis Hunter. Like there's sort of been a hands issue. You know, I, it's just it's it's very rare for me to, to see those. But like, man, I have this like really awful track record of every time I write, you know, boy, I haven't really seen this this thing that would be good for the opponent to do. And so therefore, they probably can't do it means, oh, boy, they're definitely going to do it like a dozen times it's on true. Saturday. So it's true. congratulations, Jack. You're going to see about a dozen beautiful rainbows to yeah. Xavier Weaver. Um, I even more, even more so than last week when the rainbow warriors were actually on. this. <laughs> we stand anyway. the rainbow warriors on this podcast. Yeah. They're our second Definitely. favorite team. So yeah. Uh, uh, Colorado state on the bottom. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, they have the, the, the appropriate colors. Anyway, the, um, the, uh, uh, yeah, I am curious to see that, like, especially going forward. Um, and especially, you know, Godspeed to him, uh, when Travis Hunter returns, like, I, I want to see the deep ball, like, and I, and I want to see, you know, uh, Shitter Sanders, you know, be able to hit it. Cause I, I think that dude does have an NFL future and I, you know, the NFL is interested in seeing guys hit hit the deep position, you know? Uh, like, yeah. Chicks love I, would, I would say that he has an NFL saying he's an NFL future is, is probably a pretty big understatement at this point right now. Um, given that CU fans quickly went from, this is fun to like, Oh God, we only have one year of this. Oh man. <laughs> like, I, I, don't be so certain about that. There's a lot of quarterbacks who generate a lot of hype in, in college, but if they can't hit the deep ball, the NFL is not interested in them. Like I, I would not say that that's a guarantee. How's the, how's like, the NIL program at Colorado? Right for now? Shador Sanders, no to... it's like the best in the country. I'm pretty sure. That's what I'm I thinking. Think maybe. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause otherwise that guy being rags and, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, hard, <laughs> hardly ever afford uh, to fix his teeth uh, or whatever. You yeah. Know? It's a real <laughs> triumph against a lot story. Shador Sanders. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, like, I mean, like it's a cliche to say, but dudes, you know, heart of the team. I mean, one of the one of the things that's remarkable from from charting it and I'm going to pull out uh, as a stat to put in my article is that like Colorado actually performs better in the passing game when he breaks the pocket. 
um, like the, their in terms of both their their success rate and their yards per play. Like they they're they're better when he's improvising, which is like no shame to Sean Lewis. Like I just got through saying that I think he's a good, smart uh, you know offensive coordinator, but like. Gosh, man, um, the, the, you know, we've been dancing around it for a little while. I'll just come right out and say it. Like, I think this offensive line has some problems. <laughs> like, do you do you, do you agree, yeah, Jack? Yeah, I think it has some problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's still better than last year, which should tell you what last year looked like. But, uh, yeah. yeah and, and not just. Not just last year, Jack. <laughs> uh, well, that's still sad um, for, for me. But um, they have the main job is keeping him clean, and people are going to blitz all the time because CU, there's, yeah. there's hard, I don't know, not a lot of hard count to CU has right now, but they're not doing it that well. Um, Nebraska, I think, sacked yeah. him eight times, CSU sacked him four times, and there's plenty of times. You know, Shador walked into a few of those Nebraska sacks, but also there's plenty of times where Shador. There, there are a couple. It, it, yeah, there. Are, to, to be honest, there are a few that I, I really do. There's this old saying that like sacks are a quarterback stat. And, and like there are a couple of examples where I think that, you know, Sanders, you know, no, that one's on you, buddy. But like there are a lot more where it's like, no, there's nowhere for him to go. man. <laughs> like that yeah. that sack was the line stat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I'm pretty pleasantly surprised with how Tank Lichtenhan has been playing this year. I think Savion Washington. You are well, yeah. Oh, compared to Tank Lichtenhan last year, absolutely. Um, I don't know All if right. it's coaching or getting or or getting older, but um, you know, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not a line guy. Um, I don't know how PFF does it, but PFF loves him for some reason. So good for him on that end. Um, um, I, I'm convinced that PFF doesn't actually watch film and that they're lying. Um, <laughs> All I'll say he's he's terrible. I'm sorry, Jack. I I'll, like I don't like. I'm sure he's a wonderful it's a human being. Scale I, I, You're used to Oregon offensive lines, man. I guess. I guess. Um. Um. Yeah. No, I I'm I'm sorry, but both he and 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 Savion Washington, you know, from on the other side. I you know what actually is the funny thing is really the issue is that both of them are too tall. Like they're tennis, they're. Yeah, the, it's the, their center of gravity is just too high. It's it's just too easy to get around them, um, and uh, or, or, um, or, or to, to get them off their their center of gravity. If they were actually about two or three inches shorter, um, they they'd actually be ideal. Um, but yeah, no, their their error rates are just way too high. Um, it's I mean they're they're. I mean, I've got the pass grades for it. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be dissuaded from this. And, and PFF is wrong if they think they're good. Like, they're not. Um, the, the uh, but it, it's also. Let me ask you some housekeeping questions about the offensive line to 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 make sure that I've got this right. So they, uh, um, the three guys who played every every snap, as far as I can tell, Lichtenhan on yep. the left side of the line, Washington on the right side, um, and then Bailey, the left guard. Um, uh, 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 who who came in uh, as well um, from Kent State? Um, I think in, maybe initially the plan was for him to play on the right side, you know, next to to Washington. Yep. But then their initial, I, because I think their initial plan was to have Tyler Brown, who came in yes. from um, from Jackson State, was to was to have him play on the left guard. But then the NCAA, for some stupid reason, denied his uh, his waiver, mm-hmm. so he hasn't been eligible for this season. So they moved Bailey over to play left guard. He's played left guard every single snap. Have I got have I got all that right so far? Yes. So Brown was Ruben eligible, okay. um, and then there's been injuries a few few games. 
Right. So, and but but I think the 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 first injury has been kind of uh, upside down in 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 the following sense. I think they're plan from the get-go or not from the get-go since they got the tyler brown news was to have landon bb the fcs like grad mm-hmm. transfer be their uh, right guard and he has in fact been playing um in weeks two and weeks three at right guard but for some reason he wasn't available in week one Here's her. Yeah. and so they had and so they had Jack Wilty, number 50, playing right guard in week one. Yep. But then as soon as BB was available again, they were like, okay, ba- you know, back to back to BB. You were always our, our I guess, not A plan or B plan. Um, do I have that right? Yes. So, yeah. So Wilty okay. is, was, was depth that was pressing the service week one. BB came back. Wilty uh-huh. receded back into depth in week two and three. Um, and now there's some reshuffling again because Manuel's got hurt in week two. Right. So then, yeah. So that's the center position. Uh, Van Wells, one of the other, you know, the other of the two returners, uh, Lichtenhan was the first returner. Um, Van Wells was the center last year um, as a true freshman, interestingly. Um, so he was the center in, in the first two games. Then uh, he got injured, I think, right after the, or like the conclusion of the Nebraska uh, yeah, game. Yeah, like the last five minutes of the Nebraska game. Yep. Yeah. So he um, so he has been replaced. He was replaced in week three against Colorado State. And it was a surprise to me who it was. It was Hank Zelinskis, the only uh, freshman that they recruited in the 2023 class. So he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me pause there for a second. Um, uh, first of all, is that correct? Yes. Second of all, uh, is that the line that we're going to see against Oregon? Um, that's a good question. So the best injury reports we get are the daily Deion Sanders Jr. practice videos. And in, in <laughs> Tuesday's video, Van Wells was not in pads. So okay. I don't know. However, Deion Sanders has what he call or what Pat McAfee calls G-Days, where uh, basically if, if you're good enough or if you've been more than 60% of the snaps the previous week, you don't have to practice until Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, um, hmm. you, I don't know. I don't know if Van Wells is coming back. He was dressed for the CSU game in pads, so I don't think it's going to be a season-ending thing. But um, I don't. I could. I can't help you right now with if he's going to play or not. I mean, honestly, their numbers are comparable. It doesn't really matter to me. To be, I, I just am trying to figure it out. the The thing that's the the thing that's was kind of confusing to me about Zelinskis is that. You know, he's a true freshman. He was a low three star. There's he's not the only guy on the team, right? Like there's a bunch of other dudes. You know, there's the redshirt freshman returner Carter Edwards. There's there was Jack Wilty who played in week one. There's Isaiah Jada, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who's a junior and a high three star. There's David Connor who came in from Florida, uh, who's a redshirt freshman. There's Reggie Young who came in from Liberty as a grad student. There's uh, Kareem Harden who's a JUCO. Um, there's uh, Jeremiah McCrimmon, the guy that they got. You know. Uh, I, I know he's unrated as a Juco, but they, you know, they liked him and they got him over the off season. Uh, like there's a bunch of dudes who all, you know, who have playing experience and who are older and yet they're going with a, a low three-star true freshman who is a fall uh, arrival. And I'm like, 
how how could it possibly be the case that this is their you know their best option to go with at center question mark jack <laughs> whoa um i think they really like Zelenskis. number one i think villa boyle does at least um and i think number two they Villa boyle has mentioned a few times before camp that he, they trust seven dudes pretty much the offensive line and that's it um, mm-hmm. including everyone you just mentioned, they are not part of that seven. I would say that seven was Wilty, BB, Brown, who's not available anymore, LinkedIn Hand, Washington, Wells. Um, and now that Wells is gone, I think they went with Zelenskis because he was there for a while. He's there in spring too. So um He was? Uh well, hold on. You know what? Good call. I I thought he early enrolled. I I sure. had him as a fall arrival. Might have been a fall enrolled. But it's hard for me to figure out fall fall versus spring because my usual way of figuring that out is jersey numbers it and well those. Colorado. Yep. Um. So yeah, I basically everyone you just mentioned is still depth that de- like basically depth as depth right where it's like you don't want them yeah. necessarily on the field right now. Of those people, mm-hmm. I would say the best. You see Jada every once in a while in special teams and as a backup, as an eligible tackle tight end. He's yeah. been in there a few times. I mean, we, saw, we saw him in the spring game, which is sort of, you know, one of the reasons why I was like, hmm, maybe him. Yeah. So, but uh, I think interior-wise, I think they just liked the Lenskis too. He, he came in when Wells got hurt against Nebraska. So, um, I think that was always the plan is to have him as the backup center. Hmm. You know, like you said, uh, Miles Mayberry didn't look that great uh, against CSU. So, Who's to say, but yeah. I mean, I, I am, I, I watched the film and I graded them uh, and I, here's the deal. They, they, they can't run the ball and they're like their, their error rates in pass protection. Like every single one of them, every single one of them have unacceptably high error rates in pass protection. Like, I don't know you know any other way to, to put this, like, you know, that that's the reason why the, the havoc rate is so high. And in terms of run blocking, it's, it's unacceptable isn't even the right like it's all in the every single one of them all all seven dudes is the linkus included it's in the high 30s on a per play rate which i've i've never seen seven dudes with high 30s for their their per play rush blocking error rates like that's insane like i don't you couldn't do that if you tried like like a nebraska coach would have to sneak in like remember when we had that theory when when they had to file rodriguez that he was secretly a nebraska like <laughs> yeah, operative yeah. like i i am worried that o'doyle may be a secret <laughs> nebraska operative too jack likes so i look, look man colorado's three and oh against good fbs competition and so it may to, to anybody who like is is maybe you know didn't watch film deeply and is just like yeah Colorado, you know, which I wouldn't blame you for. Like, I'm kind of, yeah, Colorado too. <laughs> like this team deserves it. You know, like I'm definitely, I, I like this team, you know, and I, and I'm definitely, and if anything, like all the people who are like Sanders haters, like have made me even more of a Sanders lover. Yeah. So if you're one of those people and you're like, who is this weirdo Hitlerday who's like attacking this offense? There's nothing wrong with this offense. I'm like, there's lots of things wrong with this offense. The primary thing that's wrong with this, yeah, offense this line. Is yep. line. Well, I mean, all I would point you to then is if anyone accuses you that is Deion Sanders is saying in his very in his many national media appearances every week um, that he says there are about seven or eight dogs away on the line from being a, a contending team. So I think he would agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can only play five. So. Well, he, I think he's talking both lines, but yeah. And then the other thing he said, yeah, okay. Um, you know, the other thing he said many times in post game press conferences is, "I'm not going to keep running the ball when I know we can't run the ball, but I wish we could run the ball." Yeah. So there you go. It 
it does. I mean, it's, I mean, it's 35% success rate running the ball. And, uh, and, and I mean, he's right about their, uh, about their, their, their pass splits. I mean, they, they've, they've thrown the ball, you know, uh, about 150 times they've, they've designed runs, which like, cause I do film study, I can separate quarterback scrambles out, you know, from designed runs. It's, uh, 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 it's only about 55 times, you know, like, you know, so, so, so close on to like a three to one, you know, a uh, pass to run a mm-hmm. uh, ratio, which is like, yeah, you know, you, you sort of know what they're going to do. And, and you're right about like a lot of their passes are sort of an extension of the run game, you know, or, or you know, they're, they're screens and they're other short passes, you know, and, and they're sort of about like get the ball, you know, out to the edges where I feel like they feel that they're stronger than they are up the middle, which is rational, you know, like a, that's, you know, that's Sean Lewis being smart and, and, and good self-assessment. But like, if you can't, it, you know, I, I think you're right to say, uh, you know, if you can't run the ball, it's sort of in, in coach Sanders is right to say, like, if you can't run the ball, it creates problems that sort of like redounds to the rest of the offense. It means you can't set up play action passing. Right. It creates red zone issues. It creates, it creates, you know, it means it's difficult to sustain drives. It's difficult to sit on a lead, you know, it creates all sorts of problems. Like, yeah. So the other thing I'll mention on that too, is I think Sean Lewis wants to run the ball when they're in the hurry up offense. I think that's when he likes to run the ball the most, especially is like when mm-hmm. they get a first down, they hurry yeah. to the line, they run the ball yeah. to get the pace going, yeah. they get the next play in. Yeah. And yeah, that was really clear from the Kent State film. Yeah. So, two things. Number one, not a lot of pre snap penalties have harmed that ability on the CU side, um, which is, I guess, it's mm-hmm. understandable. You're putting a line together in kind of yeah. three weeks. And number two, um, this, to me, it was especially apparent at in the stand at the CSU game. Um, hard to get the hurry up going when the same player gets a cramp eight times on two drives, right? Where crazy yeah. how that works out, but he was cramping a lot on those two drives when CU was going fast. I mean, yeah, it's really hot and bold. Yeah, especially so. when you're not used to the altitude like they are in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's tough. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I that slowed that down, and then when CSU had a chance to sub off of that, and uh, also there wasn't a hurry up element to it, CU would not get the same yardage. So yeah, yeah. Um, running backs, uh, have you been surprised at all to see uh, that that Edwards has gotten the lion share of the carries? Uh, not after the first week. You know that first week is a pretty good freshman year if that's your first week as a as a freshman running back. Yeah. So. Um, I think he's earned it. Um, I like some of the other backs in there. I like Hankerson probably the most out of the, the rest of the bunch. But really, um, the best running back on campus has not been seen by anyone, um, including CU fans, until this week. So Alden McCaskill is finally has a non-contact jersey off and is practicing and will be playing against Oregon. That's interesting. We haven't seen him yet. Um, you know, I haven't like, I think that Ed, I guess, how do you think that that changes the game? If at so all Dylan Edwards is a really good weapon on offense. He is incredibly fast. Dylan Edwards is a freshman running back who has no line to run through easy holes. So I think he also gets stuffed relatively easily as does everyone yeah. under this line. Um, one thing that Alden McCaskill has that no other back on this roster has is massive size. So he's like a 6'1", 220 Clydesdale, right? And yeah. that's going to help. He runs through tackles a lot. That's going to help. And he's fast. So that also helps too. So 
I think that it rests Dylan Edwards a little bit, number one, which I think at this point in his career, he's probably better in 15 to 20 snaps than 25 to 30 snaps. Um, mm-hmm. And then number two just gives a sledgehammer that may or may not be able to shed the free runners that are guaranteed to be in the backfield and see he runs the ball. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, it, what's the story with Charlie Offerdahl? Deion Sanders loves Charlie Offerdahl, um, nicknamed Pornstash, and I think that he is still uh, the six-string walk-on running back that they want to put in there as much as they can. Um, they put him in there at the end of the Nebraska game, and I was surprised to be like, wow, this guy is like running through holes faster than – maybe it's just because it was uh, garbage time, but I was like, it seems like he's hitting the hole faster than most of the other running backs at this point, but uh, I, he just does not have the running back coach's trust, I guess, at the same level. Is is Sivion Wilkerson not um, 210 pounds? Uh, he's a bowling ball. I don't think he has the speed that they want from that position at this point in time. And is also a late arriver. So he came to Boulder, mm-hmm. I think, a week into fall camp. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was a, a sort of a weird thing. And about yeah, he also wasn't um, eligible until about a week before the season because the NCAA is yeah. so great at this stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I wrote an update article in which I, I sussed out what the hell was going on with it. And then, yeah, they, they finally resolved it, but yeah, it was a weird situation. Anyway, the, um, it's cause he like, he transferred to like three different schools. And, so he yeah, started anyway. at Delaware state, um, was at Jackson state, graduated at Jackson state, came right. to see you, but they didn't want to give the, they didn't want to give carte blanche and the transfer credits. So anyways, yeah. yeah, but like, but he was at like Mississippi state for like, uh, like 10 seconds. And like, that's what like hung it up anyway. But it's not an interesting story. You're right that he's a late arriver. I'm trying to like suss out what the impact of having a bowling ball in, in the you know because like look, I love Edwards, but you're right. He's he's he's, he's, he's a, a speedster. Man. Yeah, Colorado's best you know run plays are definitely outside run plays. They're definitely like getting him to the edge and letting him turn the corner. And I'm like, well, maybe they'll have an inside run game if they get you know more of a thumper who can just like run through the contact because the offensive line's gonna, not going to be opening the holes. And then I'm like. Well, but they had offered all and Wilkerson. Like, what's McCaskill going to bring that offered all and Wilkerson weren't bringing? So McCaskill is more athletic than either of those two teams, those two okay. players. So um, I've talked about him before in a summer podcast. I'm very excited for McCaskill. I think he's one of the top five players on this team. He scored 16 touchdowns as a freshman at Houston and then tore his knee up. He had, he's had mm-hmm. a long, luxurious rehab from that. So famous, semi-famous story now in CU fandom circles. He basically on camera, because everything's on camera, was yelling at, at, at Deion Sanders or, or, or very, very urgently begging Deion Sanders to take the non-contact jersey off of him before week one because hmm. he wanted to play in front of a, a family crowd in, in Dallas. And Deion Sanders responded with, I don't want to shoot a commercial with you. I want to shoot a movie with you. It's bigger than this week. So, um, Oh, man. These lines that just line. pop out. Oh yeah, he's a God. showman. It's amazing. He's a showman. So uh, <laughs> I think he's more than ready. I think he's gained his speed back. Everyone said he is he's one of the faster players on the team at 6'1", 220. He's one of the more physical players on the team at 6'1", 220. Um, and I think he can run through contact. I should say he can run faster through the holes and run through contact more than Hankerson can. And I like Hankerson. Um, I, I think he's mm-hmm. just fine. But um, Wilkerson, I think, has pretty obvious limitations with how he runs um and I, I think McCaskill is a level dynamic athlete that is not 
there at the running back room outside of a 5'8", 180-pound freshman. Okay, receivers. So one of the things... One of the things that we, well, it was, it was weird talking about this in the summer because first of all, I didn't quite understand what the offense was going to be. And so I was sort of viewing it through the filter of Sean Lewis's four verts style offense. And so I was trying to like plug everybody into like, you need two outside and two inside receivers. And, um, and so like now that I sort of have a little bit better handle of what the actual Colorado offense is, I'm, you know, and yet, you know, I'm still looking at this room and thinking, you know, uh, that there's because the question I kept asking you was like, I don't think they got enough dudes like who are ready to play. Uh-huh. And I still don't think they got enough dudes who are ready to play because like, you know, basically everything has been going to um, four wide receivers and one tight so, end. And even the tight end is a converted walk on wide receiver, Michael Harrison. And one and the other one is a converted cornerback and sadly, you know, not really available, um, uh, you know, for the next several, several right. weeks. Uh, Hunter, yeah. so, so like, right. So like, uh, and let me just name them, you know, to, to keep listener out of suspense, uh, you know, uh, Xavier Weaver yep. and, uh, who's the, you know, the taller, you know, outside guy from South Florida, uh, uh, Jimmy Horn, who's the shorter inside guy from South Florida. Um, uh, uh, then Travis Hunter, the cornerback uh, slash wide receiver who, uh, you know, took that cheap shot and is going to be out. And, and that sucks. Um, there's Michael Harrison, who's the uh, walk on wide receiver, now tight yes. end, um, because uh, apparently Luis Passarello has been injured, I think. The year, and Caleb um, is back in special teams and been working in the tight end rotation through conference yeah. play. Yep. And then pretty much. The only other dude that we've seen is Tavares Dawson, yep. but like, I mean, he's it's sort of been desultory, you know, uh, what he's been getting. I think I saw one to Javon Antonio, but like, I've Who's seen that he's and been he, out and too. He's coming back this week as well. Yeah. But it's like, he, you know, nobody else is getting, getting balls. And it's like, you know, there's a lot long list of, of receivers here. You know, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Eight. There's nine more dudes on scholarship and who've like are just not on the field. And um, and, and like it's it's very clear that they had, to me anyway, that that it's like a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a small group of people whose um, hands they trust. Uh, and it got smaller with Hunter's injury. Like it, it sucks. I'm, I'm definitely not rooting for it. Like that's awful. Um, but it's like, it's, it's pretty much down to Weaver and Horn. And then I, I guess Dawson. Um, and, and then, and then Harrison has had an expand. Like Harrison has basically got the catches that Hunter was getting. Like he, he got the benefit from it, which is, I, I think like that, sort of tells you what they think about Dawson and the rest of the receiver core is, is, is my take on that position. Okay. I've been talking for a while that that's all been like slamming this wide receiver uh-huh. core. Jack, what's your response? So uh, I think that, yeah, I, I think, yes. So there are a short group of receivers that they want starting on this team. Um, and Travis Hunter is one of them and he's hurt. So uh after that, it gets a little wonky. Um, like you said, Tavares Dawson is probably next up. South Florida boy was in line for some catches at Auburn. Jalen Ellis was a late arriver from Baylor in camp, so he's going to keep working his way in there. Willie Gaines is from Jackson State, was also 
not sure to be eligible because he's another two-year transfer until about halfway through camp. So had, to, had same thing where he's, he's going to have to work his way into reps. Um, and then I would actually say on the outside, the next guy up for snaps is true freshman Omarion Miller, who mm. slashed during camp. Um, here's my response is CU's throwing the ball a lot, but I struggle to find other teams in the country that have three 200-yard-plus wide receivers and two more, three more 100-yard-plus wide receivers after that, right? Now, Hunter's gone, but Weaver's already almost at 400 yards at 15 yards a catch, and that's pretty nice, at least from a CU perspective. Um, you know, I think CU's leading receiver all of last year got 470, so, you know, pretty close. Uh, three weeks in, pretty close. And the guy behind him is 26 balls for 247 yards. Like that's, I'm happy with those numbers for the top two receivers. Um, and I'm happy with the numbers for wide receiver three, depending on who you think it is. At Hunter, 16 for 213 is not bad, right? Um, Edwards out of the backfield is 14 for 160. There's nothing bad with Hunter. You're not going to get any argument from me about what Hunter, yeah. you know, provided for the but team. Edwards out of the backfield is 14 for 160. I'll, I'll take that too. And um, Dawson as your fourth or fifth wide receiver at 11 for 110 through three year, three weeks. I'll take that. I'll take all of that all day. Um, so when you say they don't have enough to do these things, I guess my question is, what are the things they don't have enough to do? I think that this receiving core is absolutely uh, good enough to rotate them because they're tired uh, is the, yeah. is, is my, what? I, my response is don't get tired. Now that's not possible, but, um, <laughs> unless you're Travis Hunter, I guess and you're playing 130 snaps, but. Uh, for now, it's working, and I think to win six games, it'll work. Um, if you're doing more than that, we'll see. But um, yeah, I think it's working for what they needed to work for. I, when watching, uh, okay, th- this is maybe a controversial statement, or maybe the least controversial statement ever. I'm not sure how you're going to take this. Um, I think there's a pretty big talent gap between uh, Hunter and uh, the Weaver Horn Dawson level. Uh, what do you think about <laughs> yeah. that? Jack? Yeah, I think watching Travis Hunter the first two weeks, I thought there was a pretty significant talent gap between him and anyone else who touched the ball. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's confusing to me watching. Um, Weaver, uh, I, I need to bracket Harrison for a second. I want to talk about him separately because I'm really, I'm, I have a different set of issues about why I'm confused about Harrison. So uh, I'll, I'll hold on a second. I'm going to talk about him separately. When I'm watching Weaver and Horn, I'm confused by them because I will watch them on one play and I'm like, these guys are really good. I like these guys. And then the next play I'll watch them and I'm like, these guys aren't creating enough separation like at all. They're having a real hard time shaking um, DBs that I don't think are very good. Or it's like that ball hit that dude right in the hands and bounced off. And like I'm getting a hold on, I'll calculate it. 5.12 drop per catchable um, pass rate mm-hmm. um, from both of those guys, mm-hmm. which is like that's too high. I can't figure out if these guys are like really good wide receivers or, you know, mediocre wide receivers. What is your opinion about them, Jack? I love Xavier Weaver. I've loved him since he was committed. And I think Jimmy Horn is very fun to watch. I think Xavier Weaver is probably the most consistent weapon on this offense with Travis Hunter out. Gets open in weird ways and ways that are... I yeah, think, weird is a good way to put it. Yeah, like a lot of the, the catches he made against TCU and Nebraska are like long crossing routes where he just is an old man and finds the spot in the zone and Shador Sanders 
hits him in a weird floaty, perfect yeah. second level throw. And, you yeah. know, it's great. I, it's something that is seemed to be NFL level from both of them. But like you said, he had a touchdown. He just absolutely hit him in the hands and dropped against Nebraska. He had a touchdown that, well, I shouldn't say touchdown, but he, he had some drops against CSU that hurt. And Horn is definitely more up and down. But, you know, he's a young guy from University of South Florida that also won one game last year. So I think there's going to be growing pains. And, you know, he and Shadour Sanders have caught balls for six months, which is a decent amount, but not – it's not like a – it's a connection that looks semi-new. And I think that will continue to grow as they get closer to each other. I think they're both good. I don't know. I I mean, just comparing stats too. Like, I've seen a decent amount of Oregon football this year. I think Troy Franklin's a pretty good wide receiver. But – Weaver is technically outperforming Troy Franklin, right? I think those are both really good wide receivers. Hmm. Harrison. Yeah. The so his his trajectory is certainly interesting. The thing that's baffling that, that baffles me is not anything about him. It's that literally, I'm not joking about this, literally every time he's caught a pass that went through the air more than 10 yards, uh E- the ESPN uh, or Fox cameras has failed to capture the route. Um, like they, they just the camera He's John operators Cena, man. Sleep as He's John Cena, man. Or, it, or like has been zooming up the quarterback's nose and just will refuse to, <laughs> to capture the, the route and the coverage. I don't know what routes he's running or the coverage or like, you know, what he's doing um, in order to catch. I have like, I mean, he's got, during meaningful play, you know, 11, you know, tar- uh, targets, like I have no idea what the, those, I have question marks next to every single one of them. Jack, you presumably you've been in the stadium I for have. at least some of those. Um, what, what does he do on the field? Okay. I would say he is taking over the Javon Antonio role. So now that Antonio is back, we might see both of them next week, but he is mm-hmm. the big body meant to do the short to intermediate routes slash weird leak routes um, against his own. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason you saw him explode against CSU is number one, um, necessity. And number two, they were playing a lot of really spread out cover two stuff. And he was basically yeah. chip blocking and then going to a weird spot in the field. And I don't just like camping out in that midfield hole in yeah, C2. I don't think there's a lot of drawn up routes for Michael Harrison. I think it's just he chip blocked and then he said, going to go find a space and Shador Sanders is good enough for reading the field that he's, he was hitting him. Mm-hmm. Um, the one time I think it was drawn up was the two point conversion play uh, uh, during the, well, yeah. yeah, but that, that's not a 10 yard, you know, that was a, that was a, by definition, a three yard yeah, pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one I got to see, but I, I mean, like, you know, be, he's, he's been their intermediate pass master um, recently. Uh, but it's like, I don't know what the intermediate pass is. Like, I literally have no idea what the route is because like the cameras won't refuse to capture it. And it's like, they're it's like the craziest <laughs> thing in the world. Like I have no idea what it is. It's bonkers. And it's like with, with Hunter's apps. Cause like, it's interesting because like I had, you know, when I was trying to figure out what role Hunter would play, if he would play receiver, I had him, you know, as the other, as like the X receiver to Weaver Z receiver. But then actually he's been playing more like a Y receiver, you know, I- I- inside. Yep. Um, and, and actually, and, and with his, you know, when he went out for the second half of the Colorado state game, that's actually when they, 
they switched to being almost primarily an 11 personnel offense and like and and yeah like he and harrison sort of splits out and plays you know like almost every snap he plays detached and and yeah he runs sort of like but i can't tell whether or not he's running like the post or an in route or a you know a mesh sit or or what like um so against csu just like literally can't tell (laughs) against csu at least in the stands uh a lot of his work was in the last two drives and in the last drive, mm-hmm. the two-minute drill specifically, uh, his last drive was um, a lot of scrambled stuff where where basically Shador Sanders, like you said, outside the pocket, and Michael Harrison just had soft hands and would, would run at the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that still might be some of his um, his most important work is just like that weird league coverage stuff. Um, honestly, I think in terms of what he's actually – like schemed for is a lot of what you saw against TCU where if it's like third and five, they're going to do a little weird screen route to him. He has to break a tackle and go get the first down. Yeah. Okay. Let's flip over and talk about the defense. Okay. This will be shorter. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's already um, covered Travis Hunter. So that spot's good. All right. Cool. uh, Well, uh, you know what let's talk about the back end of the defense it's sort of been you know it's unfortunate injury stuff because it's not just travis hunter it's also kermani mclean um who's as far as i can tell missed the entire season right uh kermani mclean has played special teams he will oh has he yeah and uh he was at they were asked this week about kermani mclean stepping up and Deion Sanders said he's not ready yet and someone asked him why is he Mm -hmm. not ready and he said he's holding himself back so that's all we know Hmm. Interesting. I mean, he's a true freshman. Like I, I was sort of, when I said in the summer, um, the guys I've been seeing, um, instead of those two, um, uh, have been a Marion Cooper and Kindrich Breedlove. Yes. Um, has that surprised you at all? Um, I knew they loved Cooper, um, from Florida state who played a decent amount of ball for Florida state. Mm-hmm. And Breedlove was there in the spring. I actually really like Breedlove. He's really fast, but um, he's not proving me right so far. Uh, somewhat, I think all of us wanted to see more Kamani McLean early just because of the hype. And watching some of the practice stuff, he has moments where it's just freaky how quickly he can close on the ball. But um, slight, still has a lot to learn about, you know, leverage and the, the boring cornerback stuff. And um, I think Deion Sanders is pretty exacting about what he wants. Um, part of that that's surprising is the other true freshman, Carter Stoutmire, who was hurt this past week, yeah. does play a little bit. And part of that's, you know, Stoutmire's dad was an 11-year NFL vet that played with Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. He played for Deion Sanders growing up. Like, he's more stout, literally, um, built. Uh-huh. And that's why he played a lot. And I, yeah, I he's, he, he's a little shorter. Yeah, and, and thicker. I, I think he looked pretty good against against Nebraska. Now, anyone can look good against covering Nebraska wide receivers. But, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think he looked too bad, and uh, you'll, he will be back from injury this week. Um, it'll be a bit of a committee, as Deion Sanders said, outside of Cooper, who I think has only allowed three catches this year, maybe a little bit more, but started out hot for sure. Hey, I, I don't believe that I've seen Jacquez Robinson, the, the grad well. student. Yeah, okay. Hot off the presses is so, practicing I mean, this that, week, so that, that just happened in today's video. The, the, as far as I can tell, we have named everyone in the cornerback room, right? Uh, Cooper and Breedlove have been playing. Um, Travis J is also in and out of injury stuff, and he will play some cornerback when he's officially healthy. 
also for Florida State. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had him in the the safety yeah, round. Okay. I, I think that um, okay. But I mean, okay, well well even with the addition of Jay, but I mean that's it, man. I mean, Cooper and Breedlove are are this week's starters. Um, you know, uh, unless Cormani McLean is back and takes a starting job, you know, Hunter is out, Stoutmeyer has been out. Um, Breedlove has been hurt or excuse me, uh, Robinson has been hurt and I mean and then there's Jay and I mean like that's that's it. That's the room. Like there's just uh, it. The, the injury to Hunter is just it sucks so bad because like, look, he's the best corner they had and he was the best wide receiver that they had, which is like, you know, Jesus Christ, that sucks. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what else to I say, man. What sucks <laughs> to me the most is the way it happened. I think knowing he's going to play both ways. You, I was expecting some nicks and bruises this year, but. Um, I was not expecting a, a shot about a second after the ball hit the ground. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. a lacerated liver. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, uh, the other part of the, the secondary, the defensive back room, uh, I've, I've thought that Cameron Sylvan Craig, uh, you know, has played well. I was, I was expecting that, um, but he has, um, Miles Slusher, um, who I was expecting to play, uh, has not, I think he's been hurt. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the TCU game. So he made the fourth down tackle to, to steal the TCU game. That's when he got hurt and it was a hand surgery. He should be back from the hand surgery in the middle of con- like October. Okay. Um, uh, I, otherwise I've been seeing the guys that I expected to see, which was, you know, Shiloh yep. Sanders, the, you know, the, the, uh, who I believe is the older of the yes. two brothers who were playing. Shador is the youngest uh, of the yes. brothers. Um, and then, uh, and then Trevor Woods, of course, Mr. Football. Um, and then I, I don't believe I've really seen any other safeties. I, I saw a tiny little bit of Roderick Ward, and, and I think that's it. Uh, I don't think I've seen anybody yeah. else. And Ward was kind of in that store spot too, but you know, the great special teams player. He's, I, I love Roderick Ward. Um, but no, you haven't. And some of that is Vito Tisdale okay. been working out some same thing. Everyone kind of got hurt in, in fall camp and they've been working mm-hmm. out of that. So Vito Tisdale will be working into the rotation at some point who came in from Kentucky. Um, yeah. And Jalen, Jaden Milner Jones, an early enrollee freshman who played for, for Deion Sanders growing up is a special team. We'll be working in the rotation a little bit. I would bet as well. Um, but okay. I don't know. Woods and Shiloh I've, I've been pretty okay with for the most part. Um, just don't ask me to defend yeah. a crossing route, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I got my opinions on them. I just, you know, I, the, the housekeeping question that I have is just like, I boy, I have just haven't seen any rotation at all. And if, you know, they wind up on the field a lot, like, you know, it, it sucks that Slusher is injured. I actually had some high hopes. Um, yeah. And and still do. I, I, I you know, I, I actually think he's the to, to be perfectly honest with you, other than Silman Craig, who plays a different position. So it's they're not really in conflict. I think that Miles Slusher is the best safety that they oh, have. I, no, I agree. Um, and, um, and I love Silman Craig. And, and so it's like, you know, so look, man, like, this really sucks. They're out the guy who I think is their best corner and they're out the guy who the, who I think is their best safety. And it's like, well, that sucks. You know, all I'm saying is all I heard all offseason is how is this team going to manage? There's no depth. There's no how, if someone gets hurt, can they win a game? Um, and it sucks that they're hurt. But CU is three and oh, despite those injuries. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think in certain spots, there's enough depth to weather a uh 
to beat a competent to below average power five team. And that's really all I'm looking for here. There, I mean, the Pac-12 is filled with those. So. <laughs> um, linebackers. I, there was a late surprise in uh, the offseason. Uh, John Mitchell. Yep. Uh, who's like, what an interesting transfer history he has had. Uh, I think he started out at a high school going to Juco and then he wound up at Texas, Texas. and then he wound up at Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, and, and then, uh, and then like the first time we learned he was at Colorado was like a grainy internet video yep. where someone said like, who are you? And he was like, I'm Juju, but this isn't my Jersey. Yep. And it was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Are you Juwan Mitchell? Like, yeah. So, uh, but then he's played like basically every snap, like they have done very little rotation. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, like I was interrogating you over the summer about like, you know, they, they didn't get enough linebackers i don't think there's enough linebackers here you know and uh who have they wound up playing marvin ham the one returner yep. has been one starter and juan mitchell you know the guy that came in so late that we didn't get a chance to talk about him jack and then like we basically haven't seen any of the other guy you know we, we've seen very little jeremiah brown we basically haven't seen brendan gant uh, who came in from fsu like we've seen very little levante bentley very little of Dwayne kennedy um like yeah <laughs> it's it's been you know the ham the the, the old man yep. uh and juan mitchell the peripatetic you know wanderer yeah, the the original mel tucker recruit to colorado marvin ham so that aged well in every yeah. way um yeah yeah i <laughs> hey ham still got a job so well, he, and he loves he obviously loves bullets this is his fifth year so good for him sticking it out and that's that's the beauty of of uh coaching changes he's, he's rejuvenated and on, on a winning team so yeah, Dwan Mitchell is obviously a godsend for this team, I think. Came in very late in fall camp, so the fact that he's playing this much, this well, this early, um, tells me good things for the rest of the year. At least I hope so. Um, Bonte Bentley has gotten washed out a couple times, and, and Andre Hart, the, the linebacker's coach, is definitely the most public with his displeasure of his players on the team, I think. So hmm. uh, every time he's been interviewed, he said, we don't have any starters. I don't like anyone enough to be a full-time starter in my unit. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, he, he's that guy, man. I, he, he will just tell you how he feels. So uh, that's how he feels. Um, yeah. Demore Kennedy is, is – I thought would play more from Alabama because they talked about him a lot in the offseason. Um, and they put him out yeah. again – for a little bit against Nebraska, but it, it same thing of like, they just, I don't yeah. think he's trusted right now. I don't think they trust anyone uh, other than Ham and, and Mitchell right now. Um, I, I hate to ask this question. I really do. Uh, if, if something happened to Ham or Mitchell, uh, who would be in for them? Probably Bentley. I would imagine Bentley has he's been around for a while um, at CU. And I think that's something they would want. And then Kennedy, Kennedy's probably fourth in that rotation. I yeah, that's what hmm. I would say. Okay. Um, how would you uh, how would you evaluate their play? Uh, Ham and Mitchell. I mean. Oh, I think Jawan Mitchell is like the one good thing about the rush defense for the most part um, right now, and he he covers up a lot of garbage that happens. I think uh, it, it's been nice to have a linebacker like that. But um, they also both got destroyed on crossing routes against CSU, and I would imagine that will continue um, until they figure out how to stop that. I, I think Mitchell has, has been the best defensive player on the front seven so far, 
Um, and Ham, I, I think, is okay, which, I once again, I, I watched last year's CU team, which was the worst defense in the country. So I'll take okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you read my mind. Uh, I, is exactly what my review is, uh, you know, as well. I mean, really the thing about Mitchell is he, I mean, athletically, I think he's a plus player in a front that I think kind of lacks plus players. And, uh, and, and so like he just pops in a way that most of the guys in the front don't. Um, and what he really brings is, um, a a lot of aggression to, to, you know, he, he, he just, he aggressively attacks the play, which on many plays is a big, big plus. And on many other plays is not, um, uh, but like he's the, he is frequently the only one (laughs) who's bringing some aggression to the play. And so like, man, I guess you it's, so it's better to have that, you know, say, you know what I mean? I'll say is Andre Hart in one of the well-off media videos said, and I, this is, I'm quoting, so excuse my French, but he said that he's just looking for two dudes who look like they want to fucking tackle somebody. And, uh, Juwan Mitchell at least looks <laughs> like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't disagree with that in the slightest. He definitely looks like he enjoys, um, what he's doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, you you find you find those in, in linebackers and, and safeties every so often where it's just like, man, I, I don't I don't if if football didn't exist, we would need to invent it as an outlet for you, like <laughs> to give you something to do, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, agree with you on that one. Certainly. Um, let's let's talk about the edges. Um, I the the um I've been seeing uh, a lot of German Dominic uh, who uh, like I I'm a little confused by because I think that Dominic is the best player that they have off of the edge, but they haven't been playing him consistently. What is that about? So he was working back from injury against the TCU game. Oh. So not a lot of snaps. I didn't there. know that. What, what happened hey, with the injury? We're finding out after the game. So yeah, uh, just oh. little oh. nicks and bruises in, in camp. It's part of why Kavosia Smoke hasn't played that much either at running back. I don't know. Um, they don't tell us much other than – they, they want to see him back. And I will say they're going to rotate the edges hard all year. Oh, yeah. It's been a lot yeah, of rotation. They're going to rotate the edges hard all year. So I mean, they've even played Savelle Smalls on a couple of snaps, which tells you how deep hey, into the rotation Savelle that they're getting. Smalls is the man who uh, gave Nebraska a little bit of hope by by sitting on Jeff Sims' knee. And, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's unfortunate for everyone. Um, you, you deserve what you get if you take that down. <laughs> I don't know to tell you, man. Um, but yeah, Savelle Small, I will also say was, um, uh, is one of my most fun CU player Twitter follows because, uh, there is no, there is no troll account small enough to, for him to ignore. So I get to see a lot of fun stuff. Nice. Um, <laughs> but I've been, I've been seeing a pretty consistent rotation between, well, Dominic and Malston, yep. um, and then Alston. McClendon. McClendon and Harris. Um, but then like it goes deep, man. I've been seeing Mans and Walker and in even smalls. Like, yeah, like yeah, like a lot um uh, of dudes. Like, what do you what do you think that's about? Is that about freshness or is that about like we gotta find somebody who can make a tackle or what do you think? I think Jack? it's both. Nick Williams talks a lot, he's a de- defensive end coach, about how if one eats, everyone eats, he wants everyone to rotate in. Um, I think they have a mm-hmm. lot of bodies that are about samey right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I, I personally think Taj Olsen is the best edge player right at through, through three weeks. Um, I think he's just mm-hmm. consistently been solid and done the smart thing. Was the only guy to really get any pressure on CSU all night. Um, I think uh, maybe outside of a few Dominic plays. So I, I think Olsen is, is pretty solid, but um, I think you can lump this big group together of, of Kari Manns, of Savelle Smalls, of maybe even McClendon a little bit, of – um, you know, haven't seen him yet, but Tajay McCoy, a true freshman, they're probably going to preserve his red shirt. But a lot of those guys, I think, are just yeah. like, you know, all Jags, and you can move through Jags as yeah. much as you want, man. You know, like they're all, but they're all going to be the same. So why not keep them fresh, right? I, you know, eh, that's not a bad theory. Uh, but I, I, I said, I mean, I agree with you, and it's definitely what their grades on my tally sheet demonstrate or, or indicate. Um, I, um okay uh the the interior the interior has me a a, ba- a little baffled um because there's been guys sort of like swapping around positions and it's this has not quite been the mint front that I was expecting um uh, uh coach Kelly uh to uh, to have been to have brought over from Alabama um, and that I was seeing a very like consistent uh, version of in the spring game. Um, the other thing that's confused me a bit is uh, uh, the person of Shane Cox, yeah. um, who looks real skinny now. Like, does he have a tapeworm or something? <laughs> like uh, he does. Look what's skinny. up? I, like, I is it a boulder diet? Like, are they feeling feeding him nothing but like kale and quinoa? Like what's his secret, man? Yeah. He just keeps finding these weird old dudes on Chautauqua who, who give him. um, what they think is, is magic beans. Um, and then we find him three days later <laughs> naked and they put him in pads and we're ready to go. Um, I mean, I, 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 have you been like, I, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? No, he looks smaller. like he used to be real. He used to be real yeah, big. He looks smaller in, in the spin game. And now he looks like a svelte, like 265. Maybe. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't, they have not mentioned it once, but he does look smaller than I would want him to be. And he's been less impactful than I wanted him to be. He's still, I think, a really mm. good defensive leader, which, you know, I don't know how much we care about intangibles, but um, definitely good. I mean, he grades out fine. Like, yeah. like a, it's just that he's sort of playing his he's playing differently because he is not a big he's not a nose like they, they definitely can't have him playing nose. No, because he can't he can't two gap at his size. And the now. other thing I'll mention is, yeah, I, I think you're right. He's gotten smaller and he looks like he gets washed out more than I want him to partially because of that size. Um, and I hate to talk about next year already, but he is going to be going to be one of those weird sixth-year guys. Where he's <laughs> another year if he wants it, and uh, if he can get that weight back, I think that defensive line with some talent infusion, um, I would like to see that. Um, and maybe he won't wait till next year. Maybe he'll just, he'll just, you know, in the bye week find a a different Boulder guy who can give him some different supplements. But yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's been the thing that I primarily wanted to ask you about is that I've seen very little of the guys who I would care I would have characterized as noses. Like I've seen very little of Bishop Thomas. Like I've seen a little bit of him, um, uh, at least playing nose and trying to to, to two gap in number ninety five. I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and I've seen like none of Chaz Wall. I mean, like none yep. like of number fifty two Chaz Wallace. Yep. Um, I've I primarily been seeing number 88 Amari McNeil, um, Amari McNeil. I love. Yeah. um and 
and yeah, sure. Uh, it's just that like, that's it, you know, um, like there's been like, you know, uh, uh you know, be, because of the weight loss, um, of Cokes in, in him essentially not being able to play his nose. And then like effectively, you know, they haven't been playing Wallace at all. And, and Thomas very rarely, it's like, they only effectively have one nose, which like for a mint structure, like that ain't going to work. And, uh, and, and instead of they've been doing is playing a whole lot of Leonard Payne, yep. which is an interesting solution. <laughs> like, um, well, Jack, I, it sounds like you know what I mean by that. Um, what do you think about how Leonard Payne is played? I, I would say that his rep at, at Fresno State is he's going to have plays and, and series of snaps where you're like, this guy is an NFL guy. And then he's just going to have mm-hmm. games or snaps where you're like, this guy is barely even there mentally um and that's kind of what it looks like yeah. to me um it's just i mean it's just a stamina issue i mean that's what i got when i was because oregon played fresno um in, in the the is their 2021 opener so like i'm, I'm pretty familiar with the guy and because and, you did a bunch of charting work on him and it was like yeah same thing so i got yeah yeah I, it's like yeah great great play and then i'll take the next three plays off i would say that the almost the opposite of of nick williams is sal sanceri who's the um, interior lineman defensive line coach from Alabama. Oh, he's very mum. I would say he's a guy where he says, I need to trust you to put you on the field, and it takes a lot for me to trust you. Um, Oh, I see. So I think he has expectations, and if you don't meet those expectations, regardless of how tired it might make Leonard Payne, they're not going to see the field that much. Hmm. We'll see. Chaz Wallace is a guy I want to see more often too. And Bishop Thomas flashed a lot in camp, but he's also young and a little fiery and a little same thing can turn it off and on. So possibly see more yeah. of them throughout the year, including this week, but I don't know. I, I've just been surprised by how little um, rotation I've seen, you know, given, given what I understand of the structure, which at least on paper was going to be the same. It's the same structure that Oregon runs. Cause you know, the, the mint defensive connection, you know, that the, the Alabama, Georgia thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty like, I've done a bunch of work, you know, studying it. And then like, and you know, Oregon rotates a ton, like, and they did a ton of like, we need to get a bunch of dudes cause we have to rotate these dudes a ton cause they got a two gap a ton cause it's a spill and kill, you know, philosophy, et cetera. And, and then I, you know, I flip on and, and then, you know, I, one of the reasons why I was going on a bunch of podcasts with a bunch of people who are like Colorado haters and they were like, oh, there's no way that 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 Deion Sanders did enough work, you know, especially on the defensive lines, you know, uh, you know, they're they're just going to get smashed. And I was like, no, actually, I think he actually did a pretty good job, you know, getting the appropriate body sizes for this mint front. I think they're going to surprise you. And then I, I have been the one who's been surprised because not because I think that he didn't get the appropriate bodies. I still think he did. But I have been surprised because then those bodies have been playing and the rotations haven't been there. Like we, you know, I didn't even mention we haven't seen JJ Hawkins at all, you know? So it's like, you know, Wallace Thomas Hawkins are, are barely playing and Cokes, you know, has done a bunch of weight loss. And so it's like, even though they had like seven different dudes with appropriate body types where I was like out over the summer telling everybody they've got seven different dudes who are all appropriate body types. He did a great job. Effectively. They've got like two and a half that they've been playing. And I'm like, what the hell man way to make me look (laughs) dumb coach. You know, all I'm going to say is some people decide to hold Hawaii to three points or whatever, by using the defensive line rotations. And some people 
just watch watch Jeff Sims put the ball on the ground, and they both are equally effective. So <laughs> I don't see why we're coming at CU so hard. It's a strategy right. that works as long as Jeff Sims is the quarterback for twelve weeks. I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> Bo Nix and Jeff Sims uh, have a similar number of letters in their names. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Uh, both came from the South, so you know. Uh, that's true. Uh, G- Georgia Tech and Alabama are uh, that's the uh, Auburn and uh, and 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 uh, Atlanta are a uh, stone's throw away from one another. That's good. Similar that's a good, vibes, good connection. Culturally, absolutely. Um, but, like on the tally sheet, especially against the run, it's just oh, it's you bad, know it's a thirty-four oh, percent defensive bad, success rate. They're they're giving up five point two two yards per uh-huh. carry adjusted, which is like. I mean, just like every time you pick up the ball and run against them on a designed run, you get 5.2 yards. Like, I mean, I think there's three different teams that got home and watched the film on Sunday night um, and were like, why didn't we just run the ball every single play and keep it out of Shadur Sanders' hands? Like, I mean, Colorado probably would have been 0-3 if if the three teams that they played pursued that strategy. Maybe, but you know, people don't, I guess. So I, I don't I could Well, say I guess why. I guess Jeff Sims would have had to not drop the snap prior to handing it off to the running back in order to execute yeah. that strategy. So forget that. They they would have been one I will two. Say, Sorry. I will say also if you take out Jeff Sims' sixty yard run, which in this instance we are taking out Jeff Sims. Um, Nebraska is down to right. much more respectable, like 3.8 yards per carry, which is still a first down if you do it four <laughs> times. But, um, you know, uh, the, the way that I do um, adjustments for yards per carry actually excludes that for precisely that reason, Jack. But thank you for your a good the point. Anyway. Um, um, <laughs> it is interesting, though, their um, the way that their explosive play defense works is like flip flop. They've been actually very good at preventing explosive runs. Um, they uh, they they only allow about 12 percent of uh, runs to gain 10 plus yards. So it's like they'll let you get five yards, but they won't let you get 10 yards. It's like they're all they're all within that like five to, to nine yard window. Um mm-hmm which is interesting on the other hand uh uh it's like flip-flopped for for pass defense like it's a it's like 52 percent success rate against the pass although you know you know in, incomplete passes are, are count as as successes for the defense so like just playing shitty quarterbacks will do that for you mm-hmm. um on the other hand like when they connect they're connecting big you know that they're, they're allowing 8.4 um, yards per pass, which is a little below average for a defense, and they're allowing um, 21% of passes to gain 15 plus yards, which is like yikes down, <laughs> like like you know. And, and I think that probably has to do with the, the the secondary situation. It's like the secondaries are 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 good tacklers, you know. They they don't you know like. You know, like Silman Craig and 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 Shiloh Sanders and 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 Trevor Woods, like they'll they'll find you and they'll tackle you. They won't let you get that many yards. You know, once you once you get going. But like in terms of of uh, like covering dudes, like you know, like Travis Hunter was a lockdown corner, um, uh, and like end of sentence, yeah. like. That is sort of my review uh, of of how the past defense has gone. I, I've been surprised, um, surprised by Cooper at least. I did not expect Cooper to be solid, okay. and I think he is solid. But once again, I'm I'm coming in from 
CU fandom. You know first, what? Actually, so, you know, I have I have very little ability to uh, evaluate how the other cornerback in a room does. So you may be a hundred percent correct about that. Um, but I mean, you need to. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, all I can do is evaluate your total passing performance or defensive performance. I can't, it's difficult for me to evaluate individual players in passing defense because um, of the broadcast angles that I'm working with, as I was complaining about uh, in re Michael Harrison. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty much all the questions that I have you about uh, have for you about personnel. Um, would, unless there's something on the defense that you think is going to change significantly for, for week four um, um, compared to week they, three? Like I said, some guys practicing this week that have never practiced before, at least in contact practice. So we might see them this week mm-hmm. for the first time. One of them being Brendan Gant, mm-hmm. who is recovering from an off-season surgery. One of them being Jack mm-hmm. Robinson, who's coming back as well. Gant. Gant is uh, one of the inside linebackers. Robinson is one of the the cornerbacks. Yes. Yeah, Rob, uh, Jack is Robinson okay. is going to kind of play like he kind of play everywhere. He's, he's been cross training. Um, okay. Yeah, so those two might be coming in, and Travis J has been off and on. So um, not defensive line help necessarily, but those those three will, yeah. will be playing again. Yeah, I mean, that was really, I mean, the the primary thing that I wanted to know, I mean, other than Travis Hunter's uh, liver has miraculously been healed, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like Zeus cruelly to Prometheus. Uh, um, the uh, what I wanted, uh, was interested in hearing you say was the defensive, you know, tackle situation has suddenly gotten a bunch of dudes, you know, fatter, um, who can fat and healthy, uh, who can play. And that instead of having two and a half available dudes, they now have seven and they can have like an actual rotation and can stop the run now. Hey, Jack, is that true? Um, I, I would say that Mel Tucker was just fired, so that transfer portal's open, baby. And Coach Brian had hard to find. <laughs> From what uh, I've heard, yeah. too, I wouldn't put it past Sanders' uh, possible ability to just kind of put his hand over Travis Hunter and have it healed <laughs> miraculously. I think I think it's possible. Um, Jack, I actually have a question for you, and it's a very important question. Some okay. would say the only question that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, before Deion Sanders got there, I imagine you know things were feeling a little bit bleak for Colorado. Now. The, everyone cares about this team. This is America's team, truly, when it comes to college football. And, uh, I mean, everyone's buying the prime hype. But my question to you is, do you believe? <laughs> do you believe that they can come into Austin and beat them this Saturday? Do you um, believe now? I would say that the only lock for CU is that they're going to get nowhere near the point spread. So, um, so far, after three weeks. So um, if you're favored by 24, they'll win by three or whatever. And if they're underdog by 21, they either win by three or win by 20 um, and then or lose by 25. So I would say the three point, the three score line is not indicative of what's going to happen. Um, I don't I think in a way this is a good two weeks to not have Travis Hunter available, because even if you do have Travis Hunter available, I don't think these are good matchups for CU. Um, and. Look, man, three and two yeah. after. Why sully his stat line? Hey, exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Why exactly. watch him get yeah. burned by Tony Franklin when I can just uh, say that the only reason CU lost is because of uh, CSU's T- dirty hit. Tony Franklin was a singer. Uh, well, yeah, okay. That's, it's going to be a crazy game, man. Just wait on Saturday. He's going to come in. You, you, you're going to be okay. shocked when Tony Franklin's a, a duck star. Um, All right. right. Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I so, think they'll lose, um, and I think it'll be pretty. Um, 
I think it'll be pretty hard. I think Oregon might be able to like like uh Hippodai said, Bucky Irving name his yards, Oregon name your score, and then see you will get a nice pity thirty. So you <laughs> do believe Oregon fans will have a great time in Austin this Saturday. Uh, but uh, a great time in Austin in the late fall. They, they never don't. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on, Jack. Over the years, it's been awesome talking to you. We've had a lot of fun. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and well, uh, yeah. It's all paid off. Now I the Pac-12 is dead. Yeah, absolutely. Pac-12 is dead. Long live the Pac-12. It's going to be a fun year this year. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about CU is it's it's none of this was expected at all when Carl Durrell was fired in November 2022. Um, and it's been very surreal to be on this ride um, for the last eight months. And it, it started better than anyone thought possible. Um, the shifting of the goalpost is always fun for me um, because I think any, any tried and true CU fan would say if, if he gets his six wins this year, we're all completely ecstatic. And that stays true after, oh, yeah. after three wins. Um, so... You know, one more, and I get to cash my three and a half win ticket. I got at a pretty hefty price over the off season, um, and no one thought this was going to happen. Beating Nebraska so bad that you get to put in the backups doesn't happen that much at CU. That's fun. You know, being the national runner-up doesn't happen that much at CU. That's fun. Um, it's it's been a fun season, and everyone's got to see it. We'll we'll see how long the ride lasts, but for now, it's it's a blast. I love it, Jack. Man. I, I want to say I, I've always enjoyed our conversations, uh, and uh, and I guess you know we will talk again when these teams meet in the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Shador Sanders versus <laughs> Bo Nix, the two Heisman front runners. Um, Which go. means whoever whoever wins this game is going to lose in the Pac-12 championship game. Just to get us both in there, you know, we each have one loss. I love it. Perfect. Jack, it's been wonderful. Listeners, go follow Jack on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called, at Jack Barsh, B-A-R-S-C-H. Mm-hmm. And then also go give a subscribe to Total Ralphie Radio, at The Buzzer specifically, is a wonderful podcast. Uh, go Buffs. Yeah. I'm still rooting for y'all. Just, just you know, maybe to, like, cover or something. Hey, man, actually, all I'm saying yeah. is um, CU wins the second that Oregon is not let out of the field by Little Wayne, okay? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Thanks so much for both of you coming on. Uh, addicted to Quack, go over there to find Hitler Day's work as well, at Quack12Podcast on Twitter and everything. Okay, I need to just go stress about this game until it actually happens Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll begin that now. See y'all next week. Quack, quack. Go Buffs. And recording.